Let's turn again to Luke chapter 10, reading at verse 39. Luke 10, verse 39. She, that's Martha, she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. So Mary is the character we're looking at today, Mary, Mary of Bethany. You know, in this world there are places that we like to go, special places. Places where we like to go to relax. Places that, that we can really unwind. Obviously home is one of these places, but there are often other places that we go to and we say to ourselves, you know, I just love coming here because this is somewhere where I feel at home, somewhere where I can just unwind. And it's very obvious that in Jesus' life there were places like that. The Garden of Gethsemane was a place that Jesus loved to go to. We're told that in John's Gospel when Jesus, just before he was arrested, he went to the garden. And it tells us here that it was a place that he often went to. So it was a, that was a place that was very precious uh, to the Lord Jesus. And also this home in Bethany was a place that Jesus loved to go to. And he loved this home particularly because of the occupants of the home, the people who stayed there, Mary, Martha, and her brother Lazarus. Mary and Martha were exceptional believers. And as we know, it's often been said before that uh, our Lord Jesus Christ was a man of sorrows and he was acquainted in, with grief in this world. But one of the rays of sunshine in his life, without a shadow of doubt, was the ministry of the women towards Jesus. They made his life so much better in his time here. And if we were to just to study through that, we would find the great encouragement that so many of the women were to Jesus and ministered to him in his time in this world. And the Bible is full of great women of faith, or Sarah's and Deborah's and Ruth's and Hannah's. I doubt into the New Testament here, Mary's and Martha's and Mary the mother of Jesus and Lydia. There's, there's just so, so many. But the, the women so ministered uh, to the Lord Jesus. And particularly they ministered in this home to the Lord Jesus. In fact, a distinction is made that's quite rare in the Bible with regard to Jesus' loving people. It's told of John, the disciple, the disciple whom Jesus loved. It's mentioned of the rich young ruler, but we believe that that loving was maybe in a slightly different level to the level of love that he had for John. He had a love, of course, for all his disciples. He does. But it's specifically mentioned of John, the disciple whom Jesus loved. But it's also mentioned of the occupants of this home that Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So there's no question whatever that this home had an extraordinary place in the life of the Lord Jesus. And uh, Bethany, of course, will always be associated with the kindness that's shown to Jesus. And as we said, the place where he could relax and unwind. 
Because you've got to remember that Jesus said, the foxes have holes, the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere even to lay his head. And we often read of Jesus spending nights out in the open. That he lay down, the, the earth was his bed, and the stars the sheet, and his Father's heavenly love, the blanket or duvet that covered him. That was it. He had no place really in this world, but here is this particular home. Of course, Bethany was the scene of one of his greatest miracles where he raised uh, Lazarus from the dead. And Bethany was the place that the feet of Jesus touched for the very last time in our nature in this world. Because he, uh, he rose, he ascended back to heaven from Bethany. And when Jesus ascended, remember how it tells us how he led his disciples out to Bethany. And remember as he was praying over them, as he was like pronouncing a benediction of blessing over them, it tells us that he was raised up to heaven. And he rose up with his hands still outstretched in benediction blessing. And we believe that that is how Jesus still is over his church. That the benediction blessing that he was uh, giving to the church as he rose is still being received today by the church. It's a lovely picture to think of Jesus in benediction blessing over his people. But that's, that's how it is. And so Jesus, as he said, uh, tells us that he led his disciples out as far as Bethany and uh, while he blessed them he was uh, ca carried up into heaven. He didn't ascend from Nazareth where he was born well he wasn't born he was born in Bethlehem he didn't ascend from Bethlehem didn't ascend from uh, Nazareth where he grew up he didn't ascend from Capernaum or some of these places where he did the great miracles because all these places had rejected him Nazareth rejected him Capernaum rejected him in fact he pronounced woes over these places uh, that's what he says. If we had read that earlier on, verse 15, And you, Capernaum, will you be exalted to heaven? You shall be brought down to Hades. They had the opportunity, they had so many privileges, and yet they rejected Jesus. And many people believe that it was as a, as a special, as it were, favor, or a, a special just highlighting the love of that home. And it's just the wonderful times that he had in this world here in Bethany that he went out and that's where he ascended from, from this little place and this home in particular that brought so much happiness into his life. Now, we often think of the Mary-Martha incident and we know of Martha, we read of that. It's not what I'm going to, but we have to mention it. It's not what I'm focusing on today. We find that Martha is so busy and Mary is sitting listening to Jesus. Very, very different personalities, different characters, different natures. And you often find that in, in homes and families. Sisters, brothers and sisters, brothers. So different in nature, so different in character, so different in personality. And you say to yourself, you'd say, my word, they are so different. Well, it's very obvious here that there's there are, there are differences. Uh, Martha seems to be the impetuous one. Mary seems to be the more reflective one. And of course, 
course, Jesus rebukes Martha. Jesus didn't rebuke Martha until Martha complained. And it was a very gentle rebuke. Let us remember, Jesus is not rebuking Martha for serving him. Jesus is rebuking Martha, or giving her a wee sort of just to calm down, because of her over-serving and becoming so anxious and so troubled when he said, you don't need, you're doing too much. You know how there are some people and they always want to kill the fatted calf when anybody's coming. They just, it's like over the top. That's their nature. They can't help it. They want to do. And it's, it's a, don't get me wrong, it's a great thing. And Jesus appreciated what was being done. But when you put it against what Mary was doing, Jesus is really saying to Martha, you've got to get the balance right. I know that Jesus would love that there were more Marthas. And Jesus is never condemning or putting down on somebody for serving. If there were only even more serving, is what I would have believed Jesus would be saying today. But what he is looking at here is saying, Martha, you're getting just too caught up. Too involved, too, because you're, you're lose, you know, you're losing out. Calm down, just slow down a wee bit and look at Mary. Take a, take a, a wee bit of time to just enjoy the communion, the fellowship that we're having. And this, the, we see this difference between Mary and Martha running right through. Remember when Lazarus took ill and they sent for Jesus. And then Lazarus died. And uh, when, we're, when they were told that Jesus was arriving, it tells us that Martha ran right away. She went straight off to see Jesus. But Mary stayed on in the house. So they were there still. You see this difference. And you have to say to yourself, well, what was it about Mary? Because there's no doubt that Mary is possibly as spiritually minded as any person in the time of Jesus. If you were to list people who understood the mission of Jesus best of all, I think Mary would come out at the top. I think she would come out beyond John or Peter or James or Andrew or any of them. And we have to ask the question, how or why? Well, I think the key is in our text. Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. See, Mary had chosen, as Jesus said, uh, that good portion. Not that Martha hadn't as well. But Mary had tasted and seen that God is good. And what she tasted of Jesus and discovered of Jesus was such that there was a growing hunger in her heart to know more, to discover more, to spend as much time as she could in the presence of Jesus. And I believe that the more time that she spent in the presence of Jesus, the more she understood that his time in this world was short. The others weren't grasping it. Mary was. Mary knew that Jesus was only going to be here for a wee while. Peter, James, and John had, at that stage hadn't grasped that. But Mary had. And I believe it was because Mary was listening intently to the words of Jesus. The disciples were listening too, but a lot of it was bypassing them. And they weren't taking it on board in the way that they should. But Mary was. And so Mary had... She was the one who had chosen this good portion. And let me say right here before we go any further, 
Have you chosen the good portion? In other words, have you chosen Jesus Christ? Have you accepted Jesus Christ? As we were saying to the young people today, as we journey through this world, we either go on our own or we go with Jesus. To go on your own, well, it's kind of madness. Because this world is a dangerous world. This world is a cruel world. This world at the end of the day is an empty world because everything it gives you, it takes back. Jesus says, you come with me and I will guarantee you life now and life forever. I will keep you every step of the way. And it's, it's, a, it's a wonderful, wonderful uh, concept, a wonderful thought. So, uh, Jesus, we know, is a seeking saviour. He came to to seek and to save those who were lost. And you know, the, the wonderful thing is that Jesus is available all the time. Can you imagine what it would be like if Jesus was only available at certain times? We take it for granted that we can come to the Lord any time, and we can. But imagine if it was only certain times that Jesus could be found. Can you imagine what it would be like that there would only be on certain days, maybe two or three days within a, a month, or maybe in only one month in a year, where you could actually go and speak to Jesus and call upon him and ask him. But we can go any time. And that's the wonder of it, that's the glory of it, that Jesus is here all the time. He is the bread of life who has come down to bring us nourishment and sustenance and life. And you know, so many people can spend their lives in church hearing about Jesus and never taking him. It's like the, like the prodigal son. Remember when he came to himself and he said, there's bread enough and to spare in my father's house. And here am I perishing with hunger. And you know, there are people like that. They sit under the word and they're perishing with hunger when there is sufficient bread, all they have to do is to take Jesus, who is the bread of life. Well, Mary, as we said, is the one who sat at his feet, and she had taken this good portion, which will never be taken from her. Now, every time we meet Mary, we find her at the feet of Jesus. Going back to the incident when Lazarus died, we find that Martha, as we said, ran out to meet Jesus. Mary stayed in the house until... The message came, Martha came back and she said, the master, the teacher is here and is calling for you. And it tells us that when Mary went and she came to Jesus, she fell at his feet. Again at his feet. And it is here she is recognizing his lordship, recognizing his authority over everybody and over everything. She's really saying, Lord, there is nowhere else I can go. There is no other person I can go to. It, you and you alone. And you know, sometimes the Lord takes us to places like that in our lives. There's nowhere else we can go. Nobody else is able to do for us what we need. It was the same as Jairus. Remember when his daughter was dying and he came to Jesus again we find him falling at the feet of Jesus 
in urgency, in need, in helplessness. Lord, help me. And so this is where we find Mary at the feet of Jesus. Again, if we went to John chapter 12, again we find that incident in the home in Bethany where Jesus visits and where Mary, remember, she took this box of really precious ointment, broke it open and poured it over the feet of Jesus. And she wiped and washed his feet in that precious ointment, again at his feet. Of course, there were people who couldn't understand what she was doing. But Mary, at this moment, was displaying her absolute commitment and love and devotion to Jesus. Judas, it's funny, Judas was appalled at it. Judas, isn't that amazing? Judas, one of the inner crowd, twelve, who followed Jesus. And he's finding fault with Mary. Oh, think of all the good you could do with that. That money could be... Because he had no interest really in Jesus. Judas at that moment was kind of showing where his heart really lay. It was with money. Straight away he's thinking of money. Mary wasn't measuring money. She was measuring love. And that was the most costly thing she had. She poured out on Jesus. And this is where we see Mary's faith. Her understanding. Her knowledge. Soaring above all the disciples. Because Jesus tells us. He he rebuked those who found fault with her and he said, it was this ointment, this anointing is for my burial. See, Mary understood Jesus had come to die. That's why we say the other disciples hadn't grasped it. Mary was in a league of her own. She was grasping things, understanding things. She was way ahead because she spent her time at the feet of Jesus in Humility, uh, in love, in devotion, with a hunger to hear and to understand what it was that was that Jesus was saying. So Mary loved to drink in the words of Jesus. Do we have that kind of hunger uh, for the Lord Jesus? Because remember, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. If today you're still outside the kingdom. First and foremost, you're in the right place. You are under the word. Most important thing you can, you can do. Because this is where faith comes, as you hear God's word. And there's always, I always say, there's hope for any person who comes under the word. And there's hope for any person who opens the word. You know, some people have Bibles, they never open it. But you know, if somebody is reading the word... And I would always say to people, make it the habit of your life. Please, if you're not in the habit already, please make it the habit of reading a little of God's word every day. Because this is where faith comes. But not only does faith come, our development, our growth, our sanctification comes through the word. Jesus prayed that, sanctify them through the truth. Your word is truth. So as the more we drink in of the word the more we grow and develop. You know, when a, if you look at a, a river, a fast-flowing river, and you, we'll never be there long enough to see it, see it. But over the course of time, a river running, river running over something, a forceful water running over something, has the ability to smooth things, something that might be rough, that over years and years and years, 
It is the ability to smooth it out a little bit. And in a sense, that's what's happening. As the Word of God is running through our spiritual veins, it's rubbing some of the roughness of our life and smoothing it, making us more and more and more like Jesus. And it's through, it's, uh, through the Word, again, entering our lives that, that we bring forth fruit to the glory of God. Remember the parable of the sower, the, the good seed that fell on good ground. And it brought forth some thirtyfold, some sixtyfold, some a hundredfold. Well, I th- reckon Mary was in the hundredfold category, the fruit that she was bringing forth to the, to the glory of God. And again, uh, it's through listening to the word that the Lord actually listens to us. You see, it it works both ways. (coughs) Excuse me. Because we are, it tells us this, remember how it says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done for you. In other words, If we hear and take on board the words of the Lord, then that will shape the way we pray. And if we are praying, basing our prayers upon God's word, and we can do that according to all the needs that we have, then the Lord will hear us and he will answer us. Again, we are being cleansed by the word. We're told that uh, Jesus tells us that. That, uh, that, the, that, that the word of God, uh, now you are clean through the word. I have spoken to you. And so we find here that this is how it is for Mary. Mary spent her time listening to the words of Jesus. And that's why she becomes such a great woman. Great woman of faith. Great woman of love. Great woman of understanding. Great woman of devotion. One of the the great women, great characters in the Bible. And you know, the more you come to know Jesus, the more like Mary you will be. The more you'll want to be with him. The more you'll say, Lord, I need to know you a wee bit more. It's a question we sometimes have to ask ourselves. How much time do we actually set aside within a day and say, right, I'm going to stop and have a wee bit of time just with Jesus. I want to speak to him and I want his word to speak into me. I want us to have a wee quiet time together. And we can do that, try and find a bit of time where you can do that. It's never, ever wasted time. You know, we live in a very pressurized world and you say to yourself, oh, I don't, I don't have time. Well, there are certain things, you know, you will never lose out by doing this. You'll actually make up time by spending time with Jesus. That's the way it works. The Lord will see to it. So Mary is the one who was always at the feet of Jesus. The feet of Jesus is a very important place to be. We, are, we, we mentioned about the importance of for learning, for listening, for cleansing, for all these things. But it's also the place of thanksgiving. We can move away from Mary for a moment. You remember when Jesus cleansed the ten lepers. And they fell at his feet crying for help. And he said, go show yourselves to the priests. And 
on their way. They looked and poof, they're clean. Remember one of them came back. He was just so thrilled. And what did he do? He fell at the feet of Jesus, crying out, giving him thanks. And Jesus really acknowledged this man. He was a Samaritan, but he asked the question, where are the nine? Where's the others? Only this one came back to thank him. And it's important for us also in our day-to-day living to stop and to think and reflect upon the blessings that Jesus has brought into our lives. It's very easy to home in on the hard things and the difficulties, and there are many. And Satan will do that, and the darkness of our own thoughts will often bring up the things that we feel are unjust and unfair and harsh and hard and difficult things, because that's the kind of world we live in. But side by side with that, our lives are full of blessings. And you know, the more we begin to thank the Lord for the blessings we receive, the more blessings we begin to discover. And it's again at the feet of Jesus that we come to give him thanks. Well, do we have the heart, the spirit, the attitude, the way of Mary? Are we, like Mary, those who have chosen that good part, that good portion that will never be taken away and find our satisfaction at the feet of Jesus. Let us pray. Lord our God, we give you thanks for the great word that you have given to us, where you show us so much of who you are, that you reveal to us things that we could never work out ourselves. And we pray that you will bless us with every spiritual blessing and help us to learn more and more about you and to know you and come to understand you. Bless the cup of tea, coffee in the hall afterwards and pray that you will take us all home safely and prepare us for the evening service tonight. Do us good, we pray, and take away sin in Jesus' name. Amen. We conclude singing in Psalm number 73, the 73rd Psalm. And this is again Scottish Psalter, page 316. Verse 23, Nevertheless, continually, O Lord, I am with thee. Thou dost me hold by my right hand, and still upholdest me. Thou with thy counsel, while I live, wilt me uh, conduct and guide. And to thy glory afterward receive me to abide. Whom have I in the heavens high but thee, O Lord, alone, and in the earth whom I desire? Besides thee there is none. My flesh and heart doth faint and fail, but God doth fail me never. For of my heart, God is the strength and portion forever. Psalm 73, 23 to 26, the Tunis be nevertheless continually. Nevertheless continually. Still, I'll hold this me. 
of God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit rest and abide upon each one of you now and forevermore. Amen. <laughs>